caravan has arrived in Tijuana. We see reports finally surfacing online, something that I've been talking about for almost a week, where the Mexicans are literally complaining that these migrants are not peaceful and that indeed it is an invasion. In a little city like Tijuana, Three to 5,000 people makes a big difference, especially when they want free food, water, housing, with the expectancy that they'll be moving on to the United States. Here's where it gets interesting. What if they don't go to the United States? What if exactly what our president says happens, which is catch and send back? This caravan is a lot larger than what the mainstream media let on that it was. They kept talking about how these poor people are fleeing their country, seeking asylum, which asylum is a very specified, um, I would say, class to get into any country. So it seems kind of odd how 20,000 and upwards of people all decided at the same time, just coincidentally, to come to our borders and try to get in. Now today, President Trump actually tweeted a picture of the border. A picture saying that the fake news is showing old footage of people climbing over our ocean area fence. And that he showed a picture of what it really looked like. And it is decorated with barbed wire, not just at the top, but throughout its its whole height. Border security has never been more important. Our sovereignty has never been more important. What is sovereignty? What is it to be sovereign? It's something the countries of Europe once had. It's something that we would not have had today if President Donald J. Trump was not elected president. This weekend, I had a discussion with a few people, and I said, you know, it's 2018, we're two years into a Trump presidency, and one thing we do know is that Hillary's not president, but what if she was what if she was president today? What, it w- what would our country look like today? So the ideas came around saying, well, we probably would have been in the same place. Maybe our economy wouldn't have been as good. It would have just been a continuation of Barack Obama. No, it wouldn't. One thing that I was constantly on social media talking about throughout 2015 and 2016 was why are they having conferences 
as the North American Union, the NAU. This is where the President of Mexico, the Prime Minister of Canada, and President Barack Obama would sit and discuss the futures of our countries coming under one currency with no borders. Insane? No. It's something Hillary talked about during her campaign, but quickly stitched it up when uh, President Trump was the one that cinched the, nom- cinched the nomination from the Republican Party. So, again, what would our country look like? We probably would not be sovereign. We probably would be uh, at the end of a war or in the middle of a war with the Korean Peninsula, in which we would have had the South Koreans as, you know, unfortunate casualties. That's where we would be. We would be at a place where people would be arrested and disappear that even spoke against the administration and no one would be able to do anything. And someone would be like, well, that's pretty far-fetched. Is it, though? As First Lady, we saw a lot of that happening. When she was First Lady, we saw a lot of that happening. No one can deny that. So where would our country be? We would not be sovereign. We would not have borders. We would be in disarray. We'd be in the same position, if not worse, than the European Union. And I say this because, remember, the European Union has thousands, uh, has states that have thousands and some eons of history together. These people know each other. They know their quirks. They know how they work. Their culture is pretty much the same. All of them on, you know, on the south end of Europe have siestas. Turkey, Greece, Italy, Spain, Portugal, even the, you know, southern France. Between 1 p.m. and 5 p.m., not a pin drops in neighborhoods because people are taking a nap in the summer. So these are countries used to be countries that knew each other and had relations and understood each other and shared common grounds. So creating the European Union seemed to be a good idea. But could you imagine our Americans here in the United States melding with the Canadians or the Mexicans or the Central Americans or the South Americans? We have nothing in common. A lot of people say, well, Canada is like the United States. No, it's not. It's not. I've been to Canada. They're very different. Their system is more British-based than anything. The way they operate, the way they work, their health care, their businesses, their government, their bureaucracy, everything is British. They have more in common with Europe than they do with the United States. So again... How would that have worked out for us in 2019, in 2018, if Hillary Clinton had been elected president? We would be looking at a United States that no one would be able to recognize. Incredible. Just incredible. That's what I was thinking about. And, you know, some people were like, well, it might have been better off. No. 
We've got coal back. We've got energy back. Steel back. Manufacturing jobs coming back. We have a president that goes out to bat for us. You know, he went to bat for us before he was president. He was talking about a problem that is now affecting millions of Americans, and I'm one of them. He talked about the AT&T merger with, uh, you know, um, with Time Warner and taking CNN and HBO. He fought for us. Before he was elected, and while he was elected, he went to court to block that deal. I can tell you that that deal, he lost that case, and that deal went through in June of 2018. Exactly what he said would happen. It's now since October of 2018 that I'm not able to have HBO on Dish Network because now AT&T owns it. And they dictate terms to Dish Network on who can have access to it and who cannot. Or how many subscribers they can have. Exactly what President Trump said. Exactly what he said would happen, happened. And keep in mind, Dish Network has their majority of their employees within the United States. Whereas AT&T slash DirecTV have the majority of them in the Philippines or India. You know, these people have access to your social security number, every single detail about you. And they're overseas. With technology, you think it's hard for these people to make passports, profiles about you, duplicate your identity, because that happens. You know, I'm all about privacy. I'm all about security. I'm very against a police state. But one thing I can say is, I think credit scores should go away. Your social security number is always compromised. So many people have it. Your gas station has it every time they scan your driver's license to check supposedly your date of birth because they can't type it in. It's BS. It's to track who smokes and who drinks. And then they sell that information to your insurance company. So if you go to the doctor and say, I don't smoke. And you one day picked up cigarettes for your friend and you end up having cancer in the end. They'll say, well, you went to this loafing jug or this Shell gas station and bought cigarettes in 2010 and then again in 2015. So yeah, you're a smoker. How are you going to debate that? They have evidence. This, This is what a police state is. But anyway, one thing I wanted to say is uh, we all need to understand that our country is sovereign now. And we're probably one of the very, you know, there's very few of those around the world Every single country on this planet is owned by someone via debt, via agreements, trade agreements. They own everyone. And there's nothing anyone can do about it. But we're doing something about it. We're making sure that we're securing our borders that we're bringing jobs back to our country so that way we can independently 
thrive without relying on other nations, without relying on other factors that we don't have direct control over. That's pretty awesome. I mean, we got to hand it to the president. He's doing his best to make sure that we have the best and that we're safe and that we can work as hard as we want to work and have as much as we want to have as long as we're ready to put that elbow grease in. And that's pretty awesome. There's not a lot of presidents, not a lot of leaders these days that value hard work, that value their people. I think that's pretty amazing. So someone uh, sent me a message saying the microphone was muffled. I guess uh, the new screen was no good. It was supposed to stop the extra sounds or crackles or me clicking away on a keyboard. But thank you for that. You know, I'm seeing all these news of running through my feeds all day talking about the caravan. Suddenly, you know, they're talking 1,000 people, then 3,000, and then 5,000, 7,000, 10,000. Like, everyone has a different number. But you heard it here first, over a week ago, that the full number is 25,000 and then some. And the president said so. Compared to our country, 25,000 people isn't a lot, right? But it is a lot when they enter into our system. It is a lot when they decide to reside in one spot and mooch off our economy. There are those bleeding hearts that say, well, where's your humanity? These people walk so far. Where do they get the money to walk so far? Did they beg everywhere they went? Did they ask people for food and water and shelter everywhere they went? And everyone just gave it to them? Do you really believe that? I don't. I don't think that's true. What I think is that they had good funding. And now that they're reaching the border, the funding is done. It's funny how the Democrats aren't talking about the the caravan anymore. Because it's not one caravan, it's multiple. But they're not talking about it. Where's Jim Acosta, who said it's not an invasion? I'd like a comment from him in regards to what the Mexicans are saying. How the Mexicans are saying Donald Trump is right. This is an invasion. Funny, right? The same country that has people that run through the border to live off of our tax money, use our identities to work, use our identities for health care, are now complaining that people are doing the same to them. I just wanted to point that out. Pretty, huh? That is how every single American feels, though. You know? 
Every single American feels that. A real American feels that. They know that that money could go to a child that's an American child that needs it. Could you imagine if we didn't have those 90 million, because I'm pretty sure there's 90 million of them, within our country who come here every year, overstay visas, jump borders, go through the north or the south, and take that money away from our own people. Imagine, like in the state of New York, it is claimed that there are, what, 1.2 million uh, illegal immigrants? Now imagine, if they didn't get any food stamps, if they didn't get any housing assistance, if they didn't get any free health care, and if they didn't get all these other, you know, bonuses, as you could say, from our state to exist. Imagine all that money being applied to American citizens. Imagine how much more money a family who's suddenly struck by bad luck and, the, you know, the dad or the mom lost their job and they need food stamps. Imagine how much more money they'd be able to get, how many more programs we'd be able to create. We'd be able to clothe their kids, house them, help them with rent to just cover that patch for that one, two months until they get back on their feet. All that money would be coming back to American citizens. I mean, just do the math. You know, it's kind of like the Khashoggi deal. Khashoggi, a journalist, not an American journalist, wrote a few articles for Washington Post. I write for a lot of people. But if I go missing, I don't expect all of the outlets that I write for to go claim and demand another president of another country to go looking for me because, you know, I wrote for their, you know, I don't know, let's pretend I'm writing for uh, a Dutch newspaper and I send them an article maybe once a month. So I go missing. Will you start calling you know, Holland and saying, oh, you know, your reporter is missing, you know, it's, it's, you know, Dutch and find her. And it's like, no, she's American. Just like Khashoggi. No, he's Saudi. He's none of our business. He wasn't even living here. He was living mostly in Turkey. He had a flat here where he would come by every now and then whenever he was in DC. So he didn't even really live here. Yet, for some reason, they want us to be the referee of the world to come in and say, Hey, Saudi Arabia, your journalist disappeared, probably murdered. Answer these questions. Who are we to go to Saudi Arabia and tell them how to deal with their citizens? Just like we don't want other people coming to our country and asking how we deal with our citizens. Point, right? So, I mean, this whole Khashoggi thing that the media keeps driving, and since it's coming from the mainstream fake news media, gives you a hint. The reason they're doing it is just to throw fuel into and blow and blow that fire so that they can cause tension between Saudi Arabia and the United States. They want it to be a story. They want the president to be like, ooh, bad Saudi Arabia. He'll get a report because they brought it to his attention. 
But what's his job to to do do what about it? We're not the referee of the world. Do you know how many journalists from other nations go missing every day? But none of them, you know, are important right now, are they? What's important right now is to kill Saudi relations with the United States So that way we can appease the European Union because the better the relations with Saudi Arabia and the United States, the more hurt pushes on to Iran and the more dependent Europe is on Russia. I mean, come on, guys. It's all math. It's all nicely coordinated. There's always a method to their madness. I put up an article this weekend about, uh, you know, the whole court case that uh, CNN uh, filed on behalf of Acosta against the White House for revoking his hard White House press pass. Well, I it's on my site, um, torysays.com, the only reliable evidence says. And I've put in there exactly what they did. Years from now, we're going to remember that CNN and Jim Acosta destroyed the White House press room. Literally destroyed it. They demanded that there are rules and regulations, and that's why he should have been afforded a due process. The fact that he demanded a due process infers that they are contractors, so they would fall under other rules. See, I'm not worried about the Trump administration taking advantage of these rules, regulations, and and, and layouts. I'm not. But if Hillary Clinton was president, or if in 2024 we get another administration like the previous administrations through time, Sands, Lincoln, JFK, and Reagan, we're done for that these rules and regulations, what CNN did, means that the White House can pick and choose who can come as press. These rules and regulations state that if you step out of line, you're done. And it might not be your station, just you, but if it's constantly people from your station or your news outlet, your news outlet is barred because you violated the terms and conditions of your contractual employment. This is what Jim Acosta did because he needed to be at the White House. That's his job. It's his bread and butter. No, he didn't. They had tons of other journalists they could have sent, but they wanted to destroy the White House press room. That's how they'll be remembered the people that demanded that free press be curbed, just like free speech. I mean, the other day, someone was tweeting about how he, uh, what does he do? He uh, runs algorithms and checks, you know, uh, how hate speech goes and what's going on. You know, he was tweeting about it, and I was thinking, why would you ever do something like that? He does not like free speech. His name is, um, oh gosh, I forgot. He has like some software that he does it with. And I was thinking, dude, you can't have free speech when you enforce guidelines on it. Free speech 
is supposed to be, it's supposed to be messy. It's supposed to be nasty and toxic. That's what free speech is. Because free speech means I can say, read, see, and hear anything I want. And while I'm doing that, I will fall on messy and disgusting, toxic, you know, stuff. And that's okay. That is okay. That is very okay with me because it's supposed to be like that. Curbing free speech uh, is never enough. Because no matter how much you say this is hate speech, that is hate speech, there's going to be someone who's not going to be happy. And then we start all over again till we can only say like three words. So free speech is very important. See you guys in a few minutes after these advertisements. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. That's 855-700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 
800-961-9194. Promo code REDSTATE. Put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. All right, so that was a quick break. So we were talking about free speech, but I want to start on something else. And I'm going to draw from experience and ask you what your opinion is. Uh, let me give you the live dial-in number is 215-TOP-TALK. That's 215-867-8255. Feel free to call in. So we're going to go back to my childhood it's the late eighties. I'm a very little kid <laughs> and, uh, the mountains in Greece were on fire. I was vacationing and visiting my grandparents. So the mountains were on fire and I was thinking, wow, is it from the heat? Cause it was really hot. No, honey. No, 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 it's not. Did someone throw a cigarette out the window? No, that doesn't happen that easy. No, no, no. Is it because it's too dry? Yeah, that's why they all caught fire, he said. So I said, well, granddad, what happened? He's like, don't you know this? In Greece, and I tell my friends that, it's illegal to develop land when there are pine trees on them. So if you have trees, nature on your land, you're not allowed to develop it. The same goes for property that was zoned to be farms. So if you're a farmer and then you decide, well, I don't want to farm. I want to build a house. Government says, no, man, that's zoned as a farm. Unless something happens like an earthquake or a fire, that's always going to be a farm. The only time you get rezoning is if your land resets, if that makes any sense. So I've been getting a lot of messages and I've been uh, looking into a lot of things and it seems like, you know, California isn't far off the, the Greek route, you know, um, maybe they needed to develop the land and there's a lot of stuff going around high speed rail. Could you imagine if that, if they actually did that? That would be incredible. See, at least the Greeks say it. You know, they're bold enough to say, yep, some clown, whoever's fields were burned or lucky. I remember, and I know this sounds really bad, but on one of the fires, uh, I remember my grandfather really, really, really upset. And I was like, are you upset that it burned down? He goes, no, I'm upset that they stopped the fire like 50 feet from my farm. And I was like, well, why are you upset? It saved your almond groves. He said, no, I wanted to sell that land or create a home for my grandkids. Now all I give them is almond farms. Sounds sad, but it's reality. Could it be the same in California? Could it be the same? Could someone have wanted to develop and in turn cause all this chaos? Could it be because they're out of money? Well, that money will help 
put that money back into the land to develop it the way they want to. I mean, President Trump was down there and was looking at what the fire department was doing, and they were doing a great job. I mean, it was crazy. And, you know, it was it was very alarming to see that I was right. I really wished I was wrong. But the minute the fire started to spread to celebrity homes, suddenly we get the celebrities crying. And now everybody knew about the fires in California. Before that, no one really talked about it until someone, you know, from Hollywood got upset or how Pink's husband was threatening to use guns. What happened about gun control? I'll shoot you if you come to my house. But you can't have guns. I can because, you know, we're pink. So what made me think when I was watching all the news surrounding the fires in California was the fact that President Trump boarded Air Force One with the governor and lieutenant governor of California for four hours to an undisclosed location before he left California. Four hours on Air Force One with the governor and lieutenant governor of California. Now, obviously, Air Force One is a very secure area. It would be considered skiff level. Better than a skiff, actually. Minus the burn bags. I don't think they burn anything on the plane. But I would have loved to be a fly on the wall. Because if there's any ounce of truth on all these theories of why the fire started, how it started, and how it extended, I'm pretty sure that our president did not hold back. Would this have caused discomfort to the governor of California? Yes, of course it would. People hate getting called out. Would he admit it? I don't know. See, that's the thing about President Trump. He never tells you what he's doing. By the time he tells you, he's already done it. People are talking about Julian Assange, how that was slipped into the wrong case and it was never slipped into wrongfully. It was planted there. We're not, no one's dumb enough to say I used another draft that was for Julian Assange for this case, etc. You know, I'm actually of the fact that since I haven't seen Assange, I think he's already in the United States. If you ask me how, I don't know. I just think so. That's what I think. Because if I was President Trump, I would already have my Trump card. And he'd be staying with me in a very secure location. In the most secure location where I can control it. Because he has the keys and all the answers to everything. He's the one that can testify and say... Oh, you want to know where I got these emails? X, Y, Z. You know how I got these emails? X, Y, Z. 
that's the thing, you know, um, why do people underestimate President Trump so far? All he has done is exactly what he said. Some slower than others, but he's done it. That's the thing. Do you really think that he doesn't have Assange? I mean, he sent Dana out to London to meet with Assange the minute he swore in. And nobody knew about it till Dana was back in the United States. So the minute he swore in, he left to meet Assange. Do you think Assange is not sufficient? Trump is a man of his word. He's not a man that goes back on his word because that's the way he was raised. Circling back to how you're raised and how you raise your kids. Because... For centuries, your word meant something. In 2018, it doesn't mean anything. Everyone backstabs. Everyone lies. And like Hillary says, I have a public face and a face for you guys. So he's a man of his word. And I'm pretty sure that if he told Assange, I will keep you safe. I will make sure you are super safe. You give me what I need. You don't have to reveal all your sources. I just need the specific stuff with proof. So that way no one can just, can can refute anything you say. What you can tell me. What you can't tell me. Lay it out for me. I'm pretty sure. This snippet of Assange, I think, was done on purpose. Well, no. I, I really do feel it was on purpose not think (laughs) Trump never does anything by accident just like he spelled Adam Schiff's name no shifting it was awesome I couldn't stop laughing now I'm going to be using it every time I want to say that word because then it won't flag as a bad word because I use a lot of speech to text And you know, I was Navy, so I've got a bit of a mouth. I'm actually quite surprised talking on the radio that I don't slip. No shifting. Like, that was awesome. Was it by accident? Sure. Maybe. Was it not? (laughs) I'm pretty sure. (laughs) It was not an accident. And I'm okay with that. Adam Schiff has a lot, a lot to answer for. He needs to answer for the Standard Hotel. We'll get into that. In December, I'll be having some guests on. I'm just trying to organize everything since this is a new radio show where I can actually have on the webpage, torahsays.com, there'll be an upcoming guests page where you can see who's going to be coming in and what the topics um, we're going to be covering are. And the Standard Hotel and an NGO that goes with specific names of little kids, and that's L-I-D for David, D for David, L-E, will be a topic of discussion. Adam Schiff needs to be very careful. And the funny thing is, is that the president taunts him. 
But it's not him only that he taunts. See, Schiff is, I would say, kind of like, think of, like, the mafia. You've got your top boss, and then your middle bosses, and then your low-level grungy people, right? Well, Schiff is kind of like one of those middle bosses that people report to him and do things and he has a lot of free stuff but you know he works with the top bosses but doesn't know the top 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 boss pretty sure but he knows the high bosses no shifting oh, I'm waiting for these indictments like nobody's business anybody else it's like every Friday I have popcorn ready at 11 o'clock and I'm like alright my 2 p.m. Easter time, we'll have news. By 2 p.m., we'll have news. And it's like nothing's popped. More of them are growing and growing and growing. Now we have an awesome acting attorney general, which is kind of like having what? An attorney general that can do everything because he's not recusing himself from anything, no matter what the Democrats say. And I'm like sitting at the edge of my seat, like, come on, do something. Which kind of sucks. I see a lot of people also pandering for Trey Gowdy. Guys, I kind of like Trey Gowdy, but I don't. There's something... I don't know. Maybe it's his hair. I don't trust people that change their hair. I mean... Okay, let me rephrase that. So if you see a guy who's a brown-haired guy, and he's like you know, 45, 50 years old, and suddenly he bleaches it, you definitely know he's going through something. Nobody just bleaches their hair out of the blue. Trey Gowdy has this, like, attempt to have, like, Bieber hair, really, I don't know, maybe he's going through menopause. I don't know. But there's something that just, mm, you know, um, I've always said that I've studied physiognomy, Physiognomy is an unofficial science, not something that you can really rely on as a science because it's very biased and it could be very racist. And the basis of this science is to use people's facial features to determine what kind of people they are. Super racist, right? And super judgy. But did you know that there's actually a company in Israel that's created software and an algorithm that only works on males? What is it called? Um, oh, gosh. Face. Um, gosh darn it. Mm, it slipped my mind. Face something where they actually suss out terrorists. So basically, you give them a bunch of pictures. They have to be kind of like mugshots. And they can tell you the possibility of them being terrorists. And I think the Washington, um, the Wall Street Journal, yes, did a thing. So if you Google it, Wall Street Journal, facial recognition or something like that. Um, basically, they gave them a bunch of pictures of terrorists and, you know, they were pretty much spot on. Like, for example, there's certain nose shapes that, you know, that I see on women. And maybe it's because I've traveled the world or, you know, I've done a lot of studying on this in regards to uh, genetic, um, the phenotypes in regards to physical attributes and what kind of... Uh, personality trait someone may have which is super biased and I don't do it like for a living and trust me if you have that nose I won't not trust you but I can say that women that I have met in my life about 20 
to 30 of them that have that specific nose shape have always been incredibly backstabbing and drama queens. Like, I'm not joking. It's just that specific nose shape. And then people that have, like, specific lip shapes are people that will be, like, that can spit vitriol, like, literally. So there's, like, there there is a science, but it's actually been outlawed-ish so that it's not biased because just because you look a certain way nowadays doesn't mean you are because back in the days when they used to use this in the ancient times because it was actually an ancient Greek craft that's how they would allocate your job have you ever noticed in the movie the bad guy always looks perfect for the bad guy role like James Woods he's the best villain ever but he's not a bad guy that's why we can't really use it as a science you know what I'm saying? Because our our being as people, as a civilized society, has changed. So you're able to cultivate things and suppress other things, you know? But anyway, so where was I going with this? In regards to the physiognomy, f- face recognition service, uh, services that they have are so incredible in our country that I can almost guarantee you that they're using that type of technology on every single one of us. Every single one of us. So, as a person, I hate the fact that they can, you know, that a store like Walmart can see me walk in and my name will pop up, my date of birth, and they're like, oh, she wears a size this, and she likes to shop this stuff, you know. They already know their customer because they populate that data from facial recognition. This really annoys me. I'm, I feel like that is a huge violation of my privacy that that's on a database, but I can't do anything about it because no one's doing anything about it. And we can't stop them. They're always saying it's for your security. And it's like, okay, when is my security like maxed out where you can't use that card anymore? So circling back to the identity theft and facial recognition theft, I'll tell you why. I've said it before. On the real ID system, when I went to get a driver's license in a state that um, was part of the real ID system, it came up with a male's face. So I was there and I was like, am I going to smile? They're like, oh, you've had an ID with the state that ran with this. It's fine. And then this dude comes up and I'm like, okay, that's not me. Um, so I'm olive in skin, not super tan, just olive. Uh, don't have a goatee. And I'm not as tall as he is. I'm like five nothing. And so they looked at me and they're like, yeah, we can't fix that. That's what you have to have. And I was like, all right. So when the officer pulls me over and I give it to him, I'm supposed to say, trust me, that's correct. She's like, well, you need to figure it out, which I did. And it all rolls back to social security. That's why I was saying social security numbers are no longer valid. And I hate the fact that I'm going to advocate for this because I am a person of privacy. But I think anything that has to do with banking and identification should all be done with our thumbprints. Like if I go and open up a bank account, you use my thumbprint. Nobody can can copy that. I mean, yeah, they can with a sticker, but I mean, it'll be kind of evident, you know, because when you're at the bank and you're going to open an account, there's definitely going to be like cameras and whatever. So my fingerprint and my face, you know, kind of hard to have both. But 
seriously though, with all these illegal immigrants that are in our country right now and all of those trying to penetrate it, which are successfully doing so, there's people every day that fly to our country from European countries, from countries in South America, Africa, Asia, and they just don't go back hoping that they can file for asylum or marry an American or just make do something and stay here because they don't want to go back because it's the land of opportunity. Well, it used to be the land of opportunity, stopped being the land of opportunity, and now that we have President Trump kind of looking like it's getting back there. So with all these next generation identification technologies that we have how do we remain free aside from the fact that we're a sovereign country the question is how do we remain free as people because when you go to target and get your kid that you know over 15 video game they want to scan your driver's license to buy it so now you're on Target's database with all the information that's attached to your driver's license in their computer. And they could tell you, oh, it just extracts the date of birth. Yeah, because all the other data that you've just, you know, pulled up from the QR code just sits in a junk file and gets purged immediately, right? No, it doesn't. So the point is, how free are we when we're in a society where um, we have uh, – our whole life on a database, our whole life, everyone can have access to it at any given moment. Anyone can overwrite, delete, change that information at any moment. And, you know, I kind of just think about that. Like, how free are we? And, you know, there's a lot of people that say, I don't really mind because I'm a good person. I don't break the law. Well, it's not about that. It's about having the ability to stay private. You know, back in, in the olden times, people would, uh, you know, say someone would be working in South Carolina and didn't like it anymore and wanted to up and leave and start fresh. Got a divorce, kids, whatever. They'd get up and leave and end up somewhere like in Omaha and be like, you know what, fresh start, forget my, my ex, you know, whatever, I'm done, fresh start. But they can't because they've got a file with them and they've got their social media with them, everything. So it's not an opportunity for someone to reinvent. There we go. That's the word for people to reinvent themselves. And that was part of the discussion I had this weekend with a friend that the the thing about technology is that it's hindering people from reinventing themselves. Um, kind of like uh, the act that uh, President Trump signed, the Prison Reform Act. It's about telling them, Okay, what happened, happened. Here's a clean state. Let us help you get back. But the thing is, can they really? Can they, knowing that their mugshot is on, you know, the internet, and, and, and I can Google my applicant and see that he was arrested? Can they, when, you know, they have messages that are saved forever and ever, can they walk back into a Walmart without having the label of, uh, you know, criminal because when you walk into these stores some of them are so advanced literally they will have your name and date of birth pop up on their screen how crazy is that think about it i mean we're supposed to be a sovereign nation yet this is where i want to get to that information 
that's stored on databases doesn't stay within the United States. It's everywhere. Right now, your face is on multiple facial recognition databases globally. And anyone that looks like you in any country, so you could look like someone in Portugal and China and Russia and, uh, you know, Australia, New Zealand, Africa, South Africa, wherever, whoever has facial features like you, believe it or not, is under one profile until they can set you apart. Just trying to point out that we're sovereign. And I know that President Trump is trying to fix this. And I think that the FISA warrant, the first one, at least, when exposed, will show just how deep and far into the rabbit hole we go with NGI. And we'll see how other countries played a very big role on allowing the Obama administration to retrieve, attain, you know, um, and change and manufacture data that they provided to them from global databases. There's something called Five Eyes. So anyone listening, I suggest you do a Google search on Five Eyes. I think at Big League Politics, I had written an article about Five Eyes. You have to all pay attention that the only country out of these five is Australia that doesn't demand certain access points or uh, entry points. And if you notice, every single corrupt Democrat, Clapper, Clinton, Huma, even Obama ended up in Australia. What does that tell us? What were they accessing? These global databases without being traced. So tomorrow I'm hoping we have a few tidbits of news in regards to Julian Assange or Acting Attorney General Whitaker. We'll see. Until then, have a great evening, everyone. Good night.